Season 2, Episode 1 of the Story Garden Pod, and I'm your host and story gardener, Megan Lang. This is Part 2 of Allie Phillips. I want to start by saying that this episode has some pretty intense trigger warnings. My guest is activist, influencer, mom, and political candidate, Allie Phillips, and her story can be a hard one to listen to. Please be aware that the following topics are discussed. Fetal abnormalities, abortion, suicidal thoughts, depression, and death. Because of the heaviness of the episode, I've split it into two parts. Both parts will be dropping on the same day, but I encourage you to take a break in your listening if you need to. Um, There's no need to put yourself through mental anguish. (laughs) At the end of the second episode, we do go into a few fun and funny things. So as per usual, I hope that you will leave feeling hope. I know that I did, and I think that you will too. Now, I am excited to introduce today's guest, Allie Phillips. Allie has become a dear friend over the past six months, but more than that, I am absolutely so lucky to work as her campaign manager in this important election year. Allie is intelligent, passionate, hardworking, and overall, or most importantly, she is kind and has compassion and empathy for others. Having said that, are you ready? It's time to grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us in the Story Garden. There's probably a lot that you're going to be editing out, because I think we've talked for like two hours now. It'll just be a special episode. (laughs) It'll be like a two-parter. Spoiler alert, Allie was right. This is a two-parter. So you um, you called Brian, mm-hmm. and you got off the phone with Brian, mm-hmm. and then... I called my mom, yeah, and she said that bit, yeah. Um, and so I waited for about 10 more minutes yeah. um, in the waiting room, and then they called me back in, mm-hmm. and they brought me into like a regular kind of doctor's office room, yeah. and the surgeon came in. With a little clipboard, and he sat in front of me, and of course, at the, I'm still crying. Of like, course. I haven't stopped crying. Right. And the first thing he said to me was, I know you're blaming yourself right now, but there was nothing oh, that you could have done. God, Allie. Like, the first thing he said to me. <sighs> well, and good. He said, yeah, he said, I, I know this is hard, but I just need you to not blame yourself. Unfortunately, things like Stuff this like this are happens. out of our control. Yeah. Um, and then he continued and said, went into, um, he asked me, uh, the exact date of the ultrasound. And I told him, you know, the, the March uh, 25th is when I got Miley's heartbeat saved. And so that's when he went into, okay. So since the last confirmed fetal heartbeat was a week and three days ago, Mm -hmm. We don't know when her heart stopped. Yeah. There's no way to tell. So we have to go off of her last confirmed heartbeat. Yeah. Based off of that, there is a two-week window when a fetus dies 
that when your body does not recognize it, you start becoming at risk for infections or blood sepsis or going septic. Yeah. That's and I I'll tell you I've been septic before. Um it was very terrifying. Yeah. Like I Yeah. Um Nick was talking about how there was one point when I was in the hospital when it was maybe 6 months after we'd started dating and um he and one of my friends actually took me to the hospital when mm. I was um I basically I was dying and um he said he left to go do something and he came back and he wasn't allowed in the room and there were five or six doctors kind of hanging around my room saying that they like they didn't expect me to live um and I was like you know yeah I was acidotic I think was what it was but it's like the stuff terrifying it's terrifying and I'm lucky to be here and um I'm pretty sure that they like literally had a straight line of potassium that was just a straight line into my arm and it was the most painful thing Mm. ever but I'm alive so yeah (laughs) thanks potassium I hate you but also I'm you know but Mm. like yeah I so yeah, I mean, sepsis, sepsis isn't... It's not something it's to... It's not a light thing. I'm going to... I told Allie she couldn't say fuck, but I'm going to say it's not something to fuck around with. No, it's not. Um, it's very serious. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah. So, blood clots infections are going septic. Yep. And he said, because we are very close to that two-week window, um, you're at a higher risk. Of course. Um, and so my abortion was supposed to be the next day, but they said they wanted to pretty much expedite it. They wanted to keep you immediately. Yeah. To lower my risk. Right. Because if they sent me home for the night and I come back in the morning, I could, you know, I can throw a blood clot overnight or something. Absolutely. So after that, they... He did a pelvic exam um, to check my cervix, and he said that my cervix was very hard. Because usually what they do is they give you these, like, cervix softeners. They put yep. these, like, spacers, and then you go home, and then you come back the next day, and it's easier for them to get through your cervix. Right. Well, because I haven't had the medication or the spacers, he said that because my cervix is so hard, mm. there is a possibility they won't be able to get through it. And if they can't get through it... They'll give me the medication and the spacers. I would go home and come back first thing the next morning. So they're like, just, we want to kind of preface that. Like, we may not be able to complete the surgery today. Jeez. Okay. And so then it just, everything just started happening, like, back to back. I went and uh, signed a piece of paper stating that I won't sue anybody if I die while under anesthesia. <laughs> Um, Ah. yeah so they gave me a gown which i understand that but also like the awfulness of having to sign that while you're literally grieving something that just yeah okay so i never had time to grieve everything properly yeah we talk about that don't we yeah we do (laughs) um because everything happened so fast yeah i was essentially in like a, a fight for my life yeah and so I didn't have time to sit and dwell on what was happening. I had to keep myself here. Yep. Um, 
And for what it's worth, you still haven't had time. Not really, no. I know. I will say, though, telling my story in a way has been therapeutic. Yes. Because I'm acknowledging what I went through. Mm -hmm. I'm acknowledging that it happened. Yeah. And the pain that it caused me. Yep. But being able to tell it on such a public, in such a public way. Yep. I've been fortunate that women have reached out and thanked me. Men have reached out and thanked me. People see me in person and thank me. Because this is such a, this is. It's hard. It is a hard, it's a hard topic. And so many people don't talk about it because we're made to feel ashamed. Yep. And dirty and whatever else they want to make us feel because we got healthcare. Um, and so I'm like, I've, I don't want to say single-handedly, but I've sort of single-handedly reopened this conversation Yep. in such a broad way that other in people a way are that stepping a lot of, forward. Yes. People finally feel like they're able to. Yeah. Yeah. So it sucks having to tell my story time and time again, but I know every time I tell my story, that's beautiful. I know. Sassy little pose. <laughs> Sorry. But <laughs> every time know, you tell your story. Every, I know every time I tell my story, there's going to at least be one new set of ears that hears it. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, I could be like, oh, yeah, I've been in Time Magazine. I've been on CNN. I've been on all these news outlets, <laughs> right? Like super casual. But. Yeah, totally casual. Not yeah, everybody normal. has heard my story. Right. I mean. Well, people in this, Sweden I mean, have heard my story. I, but also it's the fact that, like, you truly do share something new every time. Yeah. Like, and I think I've said this already. I've only known you, like, six, seven Very months now. Time. Although it feels now like yeah. it's been, like, a decade. Yeah. But every time you share your story we were on a call with like our digital fundraising team Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god there was so much that I didn't know like there was a lot that I hadn't heard before when it's more casual settings like that phone call I feel comfortable to share more details yes they were so excited too like um but I yeah. But like some some of the reporters they're like just kind of give like a brief overview of what happened. So I have to <laughs> I can here's my website. Yeah. Well, it's right so there. I have my to campaign like, manager wrote it for me. Yeah. <laughs> just go read it. But so like I can't I yeah. can't go into detail. I'm just like, "Oh, okay, I was di- denied an abortion, flew up to New York, found out she died, and now here I am." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, I can't go into detail because they're like, "Oh, we got like 30 minutes." And then some of these lives, like when I go on like ABC oh, or whatever, I know I have like a it's like five minute, minutes, five minute segment. So, but it's five minutes with you and someone else yeah. talking, and then it's so there really is no time for details. So when I do get opportunities for like sit down conversations yeah. like this, I'm able to actually give details. Yeah, and that's where people learn more about what actually. That's why I'm, I'm writing also a hoping memoir. that yes, that's why you're what I'm writing a memoir. <laughs> Hey. As, as writing but a book <laughs> I also so I think that's part of it too like I am hoping that you're very open with everyone right yes. but I also feel like when you're comfortable with people you're also more comfortable talking about stuff and like for reference I'm we're sitting on the floor in her living room mm-hmm. like not even on the couch just on the floor <laughs> I'm sitting on a boppy pillow Oh, gosh. 
I would not be working for this woman if I did not believe in her so strongly. <laughs> so, okay, so we keep on. Yeah. Um, story. Um, so I got my gown on, went to the surgery room, got put under anesthesia, and I woke up in a different room, in a different yep. bed. Yep. And um, immediately felt all my lower abdomen pain and a nurse was in there with me it was one of those like rooms that's just curtains yeah yeah um and a nurse was in there with me asked me how I was feeling and I was like I was like I'm in pain and then immediately I was just like did was the surgery successful and she said yes ma'am it was and then I was just like so I'm not pregnant anymore. And mm. she goes, no, ma'am, you're not. And then I started crying again because I just cried the whole time in that clinic. Um, and then I, I sat in recovery for an hour and I called my husband and told him he's welcome to meet outside, um, that they're about to discharge me. And so once I was discharged, I went down the elevator and uh, walked out of this big skyscraper into the freezing cold of New York City to see my husband standing there on the sidewalk waiting mm-hmm. for me. And I just walked and just straightened those arms and put my head in his shoulder and just cried. Yeah. And at that time, CNN was wanting to film a documentary. Right. And so I think 10 minutes later, um, the camera crew rolled up. Yeah. And were... I'm glad you had that 10 minutes, mm-hmm. honestly. Me too. Um, do you, uh, what date, what was the date? March 7th. Okay. Yeah, so, because the camera crew. February 25th was the day of February the 24th. bunny. Well, yeah, February 25th was the day of the bunny. Okay. February 24th was the high-risk doctor. Yeah. February 20th was the anatomy scan. So it all happened very quickly. Yeah. Um, but the, the news crew, the CNN crew, mm. they didn't plan on filming until the next day. Yeah. Like they, they were going to get a little bit of B-roll footage and stuff that day. But, but abortion filming. That wasn't, wasn't part supposed of to be it. the next day. Yeah. And so they had to like scramble and get their team together. Um, and they, they were very kind. Um, Kat Jennings was the reporter or uh, yeah, the interviewer, I should say. And she made sure that every step of the way I was comfortable. Yeah. She said, we understand if it's too hard right now, we will back away and revisit you tomorrow if you're okay with it. Yeah. But you're like, you're in charge. Like you tell us to get out and we're out. And I was like, I mean, for a moment I contemplated it and I kind of wanted to be like, I just want to go home. But I was like, you know what? This is so fucking cute. This is so important. I here's the thing. I think that with this, I don't. It, it's okay. It was really important. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so I was like, no, I want you guys here because yeah. this is because you're telling a story. And like, yeah, is raw. I just walked out of an abortion. Yeah. That I didn't want. But had to get. Yep. To preserve my health. Yep. And so they they filmed. And then they called us an Uber. And we rode in an Uber from the clinic back to the apartment. 
and I cried the whole Uber ride, and I feel so bad for that Uber driver. <laughs> He's like, why is there a camera crew and a crying woman in my backseat? <laughs> Oh my god! But I guess I, I guess that is normal prob- for New York. Maybe like maybe. he didn't seem phased. <laughs> okay, he's just like maybe she's filming for a TV show or something. That's hilarious. Like maybe I was like, an actress. I I hate to say that that's funny, but it is. So yeah, you know, no big deal. <laughs> okay, it was so bad. Um, but so. I had to walk a couple blocks to this Walgreens and get my medication. Yeah. Three different medicines. There was a painkiller. Yeah. An antibiotic. Yeah. And a pill that contracts my uterus back down to size. God. Okay. When I tell you, I don't remember what kind of painkiller it was, but that painkiller did not touch the amount of pain I was in from the the uterus pill. Yeah. Because I know you've never given birth. I, but you know what? I have read a lot yeah. about, and I, I will say, I have really, not as much lately, but back, I don't know, in my early 20s, I had horrible, horrible cramps yeah. that I would literally be in bed yes. for days. Mm-hmm. And um, also, I had my thumb cut off once so I try to imagine the pain of those two things combined it's just I've like I've read about it and I don't want to experience it because I know what pain feels like Mm -hmm. and I don't want worse than what I've already felt yes and I have a high pain tolerance so it's like I was in the fetal position like the entire night yeah like just tossing and turning like moaning and groaning in pain Mm -hmm. and my husband laying next to me can't do anything of course because he's like what can i do how do i help you i'm like like, i love you i just want to support you what the heck no i'm just like just just take me out like just take me out of my misery because i was in so much pain not only from the pain of my uterus contracting and the abortion in general but the pain of losing miley like i literally Mm -hmm. i was i was ready to go megan yeah like, I wasn't thinking about Adelie. I wasn't thinking about the rest of my family. I was just ready to be done. Yeah. That's such a terrible place to be. Mm-hmm. And I've been there before. Yep. That's. I think we've talked about that. Like. Yeah. I had to check into a mental institution yeah. when Adelie was a baby. Because my postpartum depression was so bad. I literally convinced myself that she would be better off without me yeah that she didn't need me to grow up she had my parents and my family and she'd be fine um it it, brains are brains are so hard (laughs) well i mean i've struggled with clinical depression since i was 14 yeah when my friend committed suicide is when it really started yep um i wasn't diagnosed until i was i think 23 maybe but um that is i think that for me it was when i was 17 uh when my granddaddy passed um and i'd always kind of i'd say diabetics are also like three times more likely than your average person to have 
a depression of some sort, but it like I I don't I've never been uh suicidal, but I would say I've been passively. Yeah. Uh where I just no, and that it's not been that way for years now. Like I'm on meds and I'm a yeah. functional human, but um, there had been times where it was like, well, I just don't care. Like yeah. I'm not going to do anything, but I'm also not taking care of myself because I'm just exhausted. I was, I was very suicidal yeah. when Adelie was born. Yeah. Um, before postpartum I- is it's terrifying yeah, it's, it's terrifying that's i mean i just watching stuff what's up cutie hi honey i was just talking about you yeah you want to sit in here as long as you're very quiet i think you came at a good time yeah she wanted a hug i love you all right where were we at um Oh, yeah. I just wanted to die. Yeah. Um, so, the next day, because that was the day it was supposed to be the procedure, we had a yeah. whole day now. Um, and so, we took that day to try and enjoy the trip. New York. Just a little bit. Yeah. So, we saw Central Park. We rented bikes and rode bikes around Central Park, which probably wasn't the best idea. Yeah. Considering I just no, what had the a surgery. Heck? Uh, yeah. So the, I what? walked. I walked the majority of the way. Um, and we went down and saw the 9-11 Museum Memorial. <laughs> Took the subway. We saw the New World Trade Center. Yeah. We walked down to Battery Park and we could see the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. It's a lot further away than I thought. Like, oh, she yeah. was, like, this big. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I thought we would be closer. Um, and so, yeah, and then we took the subway back out to Times Square, and we went to this, I guess it's it's fancy for me, um, but this restaurant, and they, like, all the servers sing. Was it, like, Gail's Broadway Rose or something? Something like that. Yeah. But they, they walk around and sing. Like, on Times Square. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of hopeful Broadway performers. Yes. And they're also very good. There's no shame in saying that they're hopeful Broadway performers. They're brilliant. They're all amazing singers. Not on Broadway yet. One of them was singing um, Defy Gravity when we got there. Yep. And I was Uh like, oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. So we did that. And then CNN met up with us again in Times Square. Yeah. And if you actually watch my CNN documentary, the very beginning where I'm standing in Times Square and everybody's like walking around me really fast, mm-hmm. that's when that was filmed, was the second night. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, and they filmed that like three different times <laughs> because they forgot to put it on the time-lapse setting. <laughs> well, And so okay. I had to stand there for like five minutes each time, like trying not to shiver because the wind was piercing my body. And they were like, try to stand as still as you can. And I'm like, okay. Um, and so, yeah, so we, you know, we got New York pizza that was the size of my head. Um, and you know, we, we got to enjoy it a little bit as Welcome much as one New could York. enjoy it. Yeah. yeah because we tried to fit as like much in one day as we could. Yeah. And then came back home and I took that next week off of work because I was not ready to bring the kids back here. I wonder why. Yeah. Um, but I was losing myself. My 
my mind was just gone. I yep. didn't want to be in a world where I couldn't have Miley. Yep. But I thankfully have an amazingly supportive husband who didn't fall apart himself because he knew I was falling apart and yeah. so he stayed together for me. He's a good one. He, he really is. When I say I didn't get time to grieve, like he I cried did. a lot. Yeah. I think this man had time to cry twice. Because he was trying to keep his life together. Yeah. So I could fall apart. Yep. And um I I love like when we went to Detroit, I love that he can tell when you need to take your meds by the size of your pupils. Yeah. Like he is through a FaceTime video. Yes. He's very attuned to like you and your emotional needs. Yes. And I like um I really Brian is a very kind yes. man. So. He he cares about my mental health very much. Yeah. He cares about just me in general yes. very much. But especially but I, my I mental just health. love that like I I think so often um we see a lot of men who maybe are not as cognizant of mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my, like in my personal circle, most of the men are very cognizant of it. And so I, I like, I like seeing that because I know it's, it's different. Important. It's, and, yeah. and I think that hopefully we're seeing the stereotypes break around mental health and like, yeah. But he is a really good example of someone who pays attention. Yes. So is Nick. Like, yeah. we have some really, you know. Oh, he, like, Brian will know immediately if I example. hadn't taken my medicine. Yes. Just based off of my behavior. Yes. He's like, you didn't take your medicine last night, did you? And I'm like, no, I forgot. And he's like, go take it now. Yep. Um, so he's, he tries to stay on top of it as he's much as he can. Wonderful. Um, but, I mean, he had these conversations with me that, he understands I'm hurting. Mm-hmm. He understands nothing's going to take the pain away. But Adelie needs her mom. Yep. And at some point... That was probably a very difficult conversation. Yeah. And I'm proud of him for having it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was, I was neglecting being a mom to Adelie. I was neglecting being a wife. I was just neglecting myself. Yeah. I wasn't eating. I was barely getting out of bed. You were grieving. Yeah. And it was basically postpartum mm-hmm. without without a child without, to yeah. hold. Yeah. I think that's the hard part is going through postpartum depression and not having the baby. Yep. To yeah. kind of like alleviate some of the, well, it's worth it because I have, I have my baby. Um, so, <sighs> yeah, I... Uh, I I shared every step of the way online, though. Yeah. Every moment. Yep. Because I felt like it was so important for people to see what somebody has to go through with the bands that we have. Right. Because you can read an article that says, oh, a woman had to travel a thousand miles out of state. And then you read a little bit of, of the details and then that's it. Yep. But there's no visual. When you see my videos and you see me crying in a corner in a hallway and you see the pain in my face and my eyes and my voice, like it makes it so real because it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many comments I get in my videos that are like, I cried. I bawled watching this. 
Because it humanizes it. Yeah, because people can understand or not yeah. understand, but recognize the recognize, sorrow. Recognize, um, sympathize, they yeah. can relate to it. Like I've had people tell me that watching my videos brought them back to when they lost their pregnancy. Right. And they're like, everything you felt, I felt. Like I just relived what I went through watching your video. Mm-hmm. And um, so shortly after that is when I was reached out to by the Center for Reproductive Rights. Yep. They saw my videos, asked if I was interested in joining the lawsuit. And yeah. There you are. <laughs> yes. Um, and it started out with um, four of us. Yeah. Um, and uh, two, I think three plaintiffs. Yeah. Or three patients and a doctor. Or was it two patients and two doctors? I can't, I can't ever remember. I think it's two patients and two doctors. Me and Nicole Blackman. Um, and just recently, they added in four more plaintiffs to the case in Tennessee. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, so we've doubled the amount of women, which is incredible, but also so heartbreaking because these women have stories like mine. And it's unfortunate, but there are hundreds if not thousands of women with stories like mine. Yeah. Who aren't comfortable sharing publicly, no. aren't comfortable suing their state, aren't comfortable being in the public eye, which is valid. It's a lot of pressure. It is. But, but we're at a point that we need these stories. Yeah. Because without them, we have no we have no foundation to argue. Right. Because the other side is be like, oh, well, this only happens in like 1%, less than 1% of women. Mm. Bullshit. That's, I mean, I, I guess the thing with that, too, is, like, yeah, okay, it only happens with whatever, but but then you see how many people have actually gone through, I, yeah, how many women have had to be secretive yeah. about it, how many women have, um, taking care of it themselves how many how many women have um done it and just never told anyone mm-hmm. like there's there's uh i've had somebody message me and tell me their story and they told me that i'm the only one that knows that their own family doesn't even know probably because they're scared of what happens if they yeah. share well exactly because we've been conditioned to live this life of getting an abortion is this vile thing to do you're like demonic like satan worshiper like just murderer whatever they can throw at you baby killer is what i get all the time yep yeah which yeah you do that like makes no sense because miley died in, in utero but they're like oh well you were gonna kill her anyways so that still makes you a baby killer And I'm like, I was going to do the most selfless thing I could think of and end her suffering before it even began. You know, when we have pets that get sick or get injured, do you just sit and watch them yelp and cry and slowly die? No, we put them down. We take the pain away. Yeah. And that, I, I mean, that's also, that hits close to home because like I had this, my heart cat, right? She Mm -hmm. was... Her name was Olive. She was 18 and she suffered on and off for about a month. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we got her some steroid shots. She did better. And then she was bad again. And I like still kind of kick myself for not putting her down. Yeah. Um, earlier because she was clearly in pain. She was losing weight. She couldn't move like, yeah. And, and it's so like, it's so hard to know what to do and like what's the right thing yeah. but because you you care i it's like, not easy choice she's the one on uh on my little bracelet here that is Aww. that's my baby i got my cat's paw print yeah like mm. i and i have some little clay nose impressions mm-hmm. that i made and you know she was I had her since the summer after eighth grade Mm -hmm. and she was my girl and I still like, it's so hard and I like do wake up sometimes like crying because she used to sleep basically on my head (laughs) and it's, and I think, thank goodness that I have fish (laughs) because he is a distraction and we have the three other cats and like they're wonderful. Yes. She died in 2020. It's rough, man. It's I mean, it's like, what are you doing? Well, and just to like bring it back to like humanizing it, like, yes. okay, yeah, we we take pets out of out of misery, and people will argue, well, pets aren't humans. Okay, so, well, we also have loved ones and family members that are sitting yes. on life support, right? And at some point, you have to take them off, yeah, because you're you're just prolonging the inevitable. You're prolonging their suffering for what purpose? Yeah, for you. That's I because you don't want to let them go. Like that is, I mean, I can understand it. I can understand. Oh, yeah. it. that's. But it's um, selfish. It my is. My dad was vegetative after yeah. his car accident, and that's I, like. I would never, ever, look at someone who makes the decision to take their dying family member who is in a vegetative vegetative state mm-hmm. off of life support. I would. Never look at them and be like, how dare you? Because it's, yes, we have this hope that they're going to heal and be okay. But at some point you have to accept that it's, it's, it's not probably not happen. happening. And, and I also like it just, you're, you're just prolonging their death. And why, while that may be Bennett, like therapeutic for you, because you can still go sit and talk to them. Yeah whatever it may be, like you're keeping them here for your own reasons. Yep. Like they may have been ready to go a long time ago. (laughs) Yep. Yep. It's a selfish thing to prolong someone's suffering for your own gain. So letting Miley go before she ever experienced pain and suffering was the best thing I think I could have done as her mom. You know, I can't, I can't imagine like, knowing she would be gasping for breath i just also i know what a 15 week fetus looks like and she's still pretty much like transparent like you can see through her skin and um she still looks a little like alien-ish yeah um and with the holoprosencephaly, she also had facial 
deformities. Mm. That's something that comes with HPE. Oh. So, I don't know what she would have looked like. Yeah. But for me, I didn't want to see her in that way. I saw her on the ultrasound screen so I could see, like, her her skeleton and, like, her profile. I couldn't actually see, like, facial features. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I saw her kicking her feet. Yeah. She was grabbing her toes. She was moving around. Just seeing her in that, in that oh, way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just... For my own mental health, since I've struggled with it since I was 14, I just couldn't... I don't think I could get through seeing her like that. Yeah. You know, the last... I say the last memories I have of her are her moving on the ultrasound screen. Truly the last memory I have is at the abortion clinic, seeing her not moving. I hate that. Um, but I try to suppress that one mm-hmm. um, and just remember seeing her grabbing her feet. And when I would giggle, she would like yeah. stretch her legs out because she's like, holy shit, earthquake. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> Yeah, but so I just I wanted it. I didn't want to have those images, and some women do. Mm. You know, there's some women that that do want to give birth and yes, be able to hold their baby as they pass, and they should, and they should be able to do that. To do that, but also you should be able to do to not yeah. Like imagine, imagine if the roles were switched, right? What if the roles were switched to the point like the doctors are saying. This baby's going to suffocate and die. We're not going to allow you to give birth and hold it. Right. We're going to terminate. Like, yeah. imagine having that right taken away from you to want to hold and see your baby. And they're like, no, sorry. Yeah. It was just, it was a personal choice. And yeah. everybody should have a choice right. on what happens Um, with their bodies. I mean, going yeah. through labor, knowing you're pushing out a dead baby... I'm, that is I'm so traumatizing. Going through labor period, period. is traumatizing. It's hard. And um, that is something that like bodies can recuperate, but that is a legitimate traumatic experience. It is. For the body. So, <laughs> baby. So that's a whole thing too. Like, that's a thing too. Yeah. So. I mean, some women don't make it out of childbirth. Right. So to, to force somebody to go through childbirth just to hold a dead baby doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, and I think the the United States is uh, less good in the case of, um, what is it, uh, mer- maternal, maternal mortality, mortality rates. Like, I, you know, I think that we're lower than we should be. Tennessee? <laughs> Ten- I, I don't even want to talk. Talk about Tennessee. Tennessee because is we fourth know, in the country. And the we also know deaths. that like black and brown women have the highest, a higher yeah. percentage than white women. White women. And mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, she's so thirsty. Luna back there drinking um, her water. Yeah. But yeah, so like we... It's high rates of death, especially yeah. in southern states. Right. And then you take away rights to healthcare to prevent some of these deaths. It's just kind of, it's just telling women you don't think that their life is valuable enough. Right. They're not worthy enough to cheat death. I mean, we're all going to die. But yeah, so 
Join a lawsuit. (laughs) Yeah. Join a lawsuit. And then um, people started asking me if I've ever thought about running for office. Yeah. And I was like, no. Why would I do that? And a lot of time, I would say about a month or two went by, and I finally decided to start looking into it because I wanted to make sure that Miley didn't die in vain. And I knew the lawsuit was going to be a stepping stone, but not enough. Yeah. And so I wanted to make sure I fought back in the best way I could. And being an advocate and yelling online and showing up with signs is progress for showing that we care, but it's, it's not going to really change. strong. Yes. But it also, further steps are needed. Yes, because the supermajority does not care about any of us showing up with signs. Right. Well, and and the thing too is that like, activists and advocates have a the purpose is different Mm -hmm. but you have the ability to run for office and I think that that's something that you know um I think that's significant we need the activists to do a lot and then we also need elected officials who are going to work alongside the ad activists and advocates to make some of the things they're fighting for become actual legislation and that's so important Mm -hmm. um we've talked about a whole lot Mm. um well also not to mention the fact that tennessee only has what 12 women 12 women in the state house of representatives Uh, out of 99 seats and only one of them. them i think is under the age of 50 yeah, and only three of them are Democratic women. So, yeah. like, we really don't have a voice in the well, House. Well, um, and actually, that's pretty representative because there are 24.2% of our House is Democratic. So, um, not even a quarter. So, tell me, do you have, I want to say, like, wrap up the episode with something that brings hope? To people, it doesn't have to be happy, um, but I, I want it to be hopeful. And that's, I mean, so of course we know that like hope is, we have hope right now because you're running for office. And um, we also have hope for good things because like Luna is little tippy tappy toes in the background, <laughs> you know, but. I would say my story of hope is my run for office. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The, I, this story doesn't have hope, but it's kind of like a, a joyful one. Yeah, I love that. Um, that I don't know if you know about me. Tell. So I'm a Disney adult. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. Yeah, I'm a Disney adult. And I grew up obsessively watching Disney Channel and all the Disney movies. And when Frozen came out... Yes. Oh, I didn't know this, but I saw you write it somewhere recently. Did you? Okay. The, about Elsa? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I had no idea. Yeah, so <laughs> when Frozen came out, it was my uh, freshman year of college, and I went online and bought an Elsa dress from Etsy, because I was, like, obsessed with Elsa. Because it was the best. Yeah, it was, like, a $160 dress. You know, that's fine. Yeah, and my mom was like, why would you spend that much on a dress? When are you ever going to wear it? And I was like, you know, I'll wear it to, like, for Halloween yeah. and whatever. And so 
I put it on and I wore it to Aubrey Mills Mall. And I did my hair and everything because I had long blonde hair at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my hair is always blonde, but it was longer then. And so I braided my hair and I put some makeup on and I went to the mall in my Elsa dress and I went to the Disney store. Because <laughs> duh. Oh my gosh. And all of the workers there introduced me as Queen Elsa because, you know, Naturally. character. And I got like bombarded with kids. Like, they thought I... Like, the parents thought I worked for Disney. Amazing. Oh. Like, the store. Like, they thought it was, like, a character appearance or something. Okay. That's incredible. Yeah. And so, I started taking pictures with people, and they were like, do you do birthday parties? And I was like, oh, no. I'm just dressed like this for fun. Okay. <laughs> I just... I just... Yeah. Casually dressed like yeah, this. Yeah. I just wanted to be Elsa. And so, um, I did it a couple more times. I went to the mall. And then I started thinking about it because more and more people were asking, like, do you do birthday parties? And I kept saying no. And they asked for business cards. I'm like, I don't have any. And so I talked to my mom about it. And she was like, well, maybe you should, like, you know, start a little business. And so I did. And I created the business. (laughs) And it was called Elsa in Nashville. And I hired an Anna, who is a good friend of mine. Her name is Sammy. Oh, my gosh. And... We did birthday parties all over Middle Tennessee. Like, we even we wow. did some in Kentucky. We did a lot on Fort Campbell, uh, the base, military base. So yeah. that was fun going through um, security, security all the time dressed as, and like, Elsa. Elsa. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So um, we, yeah, we did birthday parties. I went to the children's hospital a couple times. Oh, I love that. Yes. And then um, one of the ones I will always remember was I went to the uh, Down Syndrome Christmas party that yeah. the hospital was hosting. Yeah. And Santa was there. And so Santa was a special guest. And then me and Anna were special guests. I so, love like, that. they had this whole backdrop That's set up for so us. sweet. And then they had a DJ in this room playing uh, Let It Go. And they let me stand up there with the DJ and dance around. That's incredible. Yeah, it was the best. Like, um, okay. And so it, we also did, um, we did a TV show, like a talk show. Yeah. I was in um, a newspaper. And, like, it was just, it was a great time. And, like, I just, and I you were it. you were a freshman? I was a freshman in high school. Um, or uh, college. college. Yeah. So Amazing. this was, so this was actually going into my sophomore year, but so it was great. And, um, you got to like enjoy people and children mm-hmm. and like, cause like I said before, I love kids. That's why yeah. I want to be a, a kindergarten teacher. And I did, this is when I was going to MTSU and the uh, MTSU paper did an interview about me <laughs> and they asked, like why why are you do- like pretty much why are you doing this yeah you know what what is the point of this and my response was like i have no no intention of doing this yeah you know i just wanted to get an elsa dress <laughs> um and so but the more i thought about it i grew up in a very poor family never been to disney always wanted to go to disney oh. But we couldn't afford it. Yeah. And so for me, I was bringing Disney to the kids. And when I tell you, every birthday party I did, when I would walk into that room, the way their face would light up. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, it just, it brought me so much 
joy and like satisfaction of like like I wish I had this when I was a kid kind of like you know when you when you're a kid I mean even as an adult you know you have your role models that you look up to yep especially as kids like meeting um you know meeting uh Elsa or meeting Mickey Mouse like that's a huge deal yep that's a huge deal because you see them on tv yeah and you're like and you love them and you know their story and you yep. feel like you know them, like your yep. friends. And so when Elsa is walking into your frozen themed birthday party, of course what? you're gonna be so excited. Oh, that's fun. It is like so, it was so much fun. And we would sing all the songs, um, and we would dance around and on some parties, like we had little extra things that we would bring out our little nail polish kit. Yeah. And we would paint the girls' nails. Yeah. Put sprinkles on, a, or not sprinkles, a glitter on them. I love that. You know, that. that's the magic of, of Elsa. That's um, so sweet. I have braided like, girls' hairs at birthday parties. Yep. And then they ask all of the questions. And I watched Frozen enough that I could quote that entire movie from start to end. So any question they had, I was spot you were on. on it. Yeah. That's incredible. So I'll tell you, um, Frozen 2 is my favorite. Mm-hmm. But... I think it's one of the best Disney films that there is. I loved Frozen 1, and then Frozen 2 happened, and it was like, oh, man. I think the soundtrack for Frozen 2 way outbeat the first one. Oh, absolutely. Um, But the messaging behind it, the whole movie was so... I think all of the Mm -hmm. whole, like... Yeah. Yeah. Frozen Frozen is a great um, world. Mm-hmm. But I did it for a year. Yeah. And uh, Sammy, who was my Anna. So I first started off just doing it as me. But then after I did so many parties, some people started asking, like, do you have Anna? Like, can we hire you and Anna? And I was like, well, I don't have an Anna. And so then I made a post like, hi, I'm searching for my sister. <laughs> Does anybody know where my sister is? Um, and I pretty much held, like, interviews. Yeah, as you should when you're doing that. Yeah, so, and so makes sense. Sammy was just like the perfect fit, and um, and y'all yeah, we're, we're still friends to this day. That's I love that. Um, but so what happened was, is she was getting married, um, to a military guy, and they were going to be moving out of state, Ugh. and I couldn't continue without her I mean I could continue without her but yeah, at the but same time you would time, only be a you and not a yes. you and that yeah yeah but also my grades were plummeting oh because you were year. constantly yes yep that tracks yeah because I was spending all my spare time running you know a business, a business like and a then, functioning business mm-hmm. and then my weekends I was doing birthday parties and I also did a lot of school events too um, I even did a church event one <laughs> at one point. I don't know why they wanted Elsa at their service, but I was there. Everybody loves Elsa, so yeah. it tracks. So it was just, I would say that year of my life was the most like blissful experience ever because yeah. I got to bring so much joy to kids um, who may have not gotten it otherwise. Right. And the difference between me and, like, all the other character businesses in Nashville, because there's, like, a Party Bells in Nashville, they charge, like, $300 for yep. one character. Yep. I charged um, 160 for me and Anna together. Yeah. Like, that's 
unheard of. And so I, I cut the price as much as I could, but still made it to where you, you know it was worthwhile. Would make money, but not yeah. like in a because I still yeah. had to buy hairspray and makeup and the traveling and all of that. Well, and if you're like painting their nails, you're also doing that mm-hmm. and, and the upkeep of the dress. I had to get it dry cleaned. Yep. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I charged as less as least as I could, but also enough to make sure Anna was paid respectively and that I could keep up what I was doing. Yep. Because I really wasn't doing it to get paid. Right. I was doing it because I I really wanted enjoyed to and it. I loved kids. And, yeah. yeah. And I got to play Elsa. I mean, how cool is that? Um, no, I didn't get a cease and desist from Disney. Um, I was too little for them to <laughs> care. The snow princess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just it was a great it was a great time. I love that. So I assign a flower to everyone mm-hmm. um, at the end of the podcast. Okay. And uh, so it's complicated because the flower that I um, want to give you, I don't actually have a typical, like, usually I'm like, oh, it's because of this or this or this. Um, But this one, it's a forget me not. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because I think that what you are doing, it's literally just the name. Like, I think that you are actively and aggressively pursuing Miley's story never being forgotten and so forget me not aligns with that it's also really cute it's a little like periwinkle flower and they're edible I'm gonna look it up they're very like dainty and I feel like they don't really scream like look at me yeah but um they uh, they always do end up getting yes they get attention though and I, I think that you are kind of like that Sometimes you do scream, look at me! Mm-hmm. But for the most part, <laughs> I think that your goal is just to, like, share your story so that we can see a better world. And I really, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. And then I also make people pick something to assign to me. So, not a flower. Um, you have to tell me which Taylor Swift song I am. Holy shit. I know. Allie's a Swifty, so am I. So, just to clarify. I made her friendship bracelets. Yeah, I'm literally wearing them right now. What Taylor Swift song would I give you? (sighs) That is so hard. (laughs) I know. Like, first off, I gotta find the era. I was gonna say, so I could have just said which era am I, but that's too easy. Partially, I want to go into the lover era. Okay. (laughs) What do I give you? Are you ready for it? Boom, boom. Well, I probably, boom. I feel like I went to Lover because you're always telling me my theme song's The Man. <laughs> I'm like aggressively eating. I know, I can hear it. <laughs> Mastermind. Mastermind. Oh, God. Okay, I accept that. Am I a mastermind? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I could say vigilante shit. Um, I'm just going off of Midnight's right now because there were some others in different albums that I was like. <laughs> but so I feel like Mastermind fits with you right now because of the work you're doing. You are a very intelligent uh, woman. You, though you don't give yourself enough credit. Like you said before, like you thought I deserved somebody who with more experience, but like mm. 
I don't know. I just, when I think about mastermind lyrics, <sighs> the what if I told you I'm a mastermind and now you're mine. Um, I just, I feel like you're one of those people that you kind of suck people in. <laughs> I collect people. Yes. And then they're in my collection of great people. Yes. That is on purpose. It's very deliberate. You're a I mastermind. That you are, the people that you surround yourself by are mm -hmm. the ones that. Yes. And like, so mm -hmm. I only collect good ones. How does it feel to be one of the jewels of my collection? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Don't ever put me on the spot like that again. <laughs> Every day. If you had any advice to give to people, what would they be? Take care of yourself. Take care of the people around you. Take yeah. care of your neighbors. We're all here for a short while. Just spread as much kindness and love as you can. Yeah. Be yourself. Don't change for anybody. And accept people whether you understand or not. It's not our place to tell people how to live their lives. Yeah. And maybe have compassion if you don't understand why someone yeah. does something. Understand that you aren't going to understand and that's okay. Yes. Oh my gosh, she is like... She wants attention. That's all she wants. Hey, baby. Okay. And with that, I believe that we are complete. Done do. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Story Garden Pod. If you enjoyed it, I hope you'll subscribe and follow along as we dig into a new set of stories each episode. Want to learn more about Allie? Check out her website at Allie4TN.com. That's A-L-L-I-E, the number 4, T-N.com. Or find her on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, TikTok. To support Story Garden Pod financially, become a Patreon supporter by visiting patreon.com backslash storygardenpod. We'll be sharing extra photos, special cocktail recipes, and more, so don't miss it. Finally, did you enjoy today's episode? If so, leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Your reviews will help us reach a wider audience share more stories, and build an even stronger community. Again, thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the garden. <laughs>